1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. You're listening to 105.9 The Region, and welcome to On The Market. This is York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host and real estate expert is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Good morning, Asif. Good morning. Let's start uh, with the statistics released earlier this week by uh, the Canadian Real Estate Association, and it shows that national home sales climbed in April 2019. What do you think about these stats? It's just been a phenomenal start to the year. And with the pent-up demand that we had in the last year, we've been talking about this on the station for a while now, Tina. And if you remember the end of the year leading into the start of this year, things were starting to heat up. We were starting to see inventory coming down. We knew the sales were coming up. And from January, we've been saying we're getting into multiple offers. The buyer's window is closing. you got to get in on these properties. And that's what we're seeing not only in the region itself, not only in the GTA, but across the country. And so what do the numbers look like specifically here in York Region? In York Region, remember, April was just phenomenal. We were up about 33%. And that hasn't changed. If you're looking at May, we're halfway through the month now. We're on pace for 1,578 sales for May. And how does that compare to last year? Last year in May, we sold 1,189 houses. So this is another 33% increase that we're projecting for the month of May. Inventory continues to decrease. We're down 11.3%. So we have more homes for sale right now than we did in April. So you're going to see... You know, people are probably thinking, well, there's more signs out. Yeah, there are. There's more signs out compared to April. But we don't have as much inventory as we did last year. Last year at this time, we had about 5,800 homes for sale in the region. This year, we have 5,100. So that's an 11.3% drop in inventory. And that's why everyone you talk to that's in real estate, buyers that are out there, you're starting to hear more and more talk about bidding wars, multiple offers. There's condos selling in one day, which condos are usually on the market for about 30, 40 days. If they're priced right, they're getting multiple offers. They're selling for asking price, just over asking price. And that's just a sign of the times. Now, you said a condo is, you've seen it being sold in a day. What about that house uh, in, you know, in a neighborhood in York Region? How long is it on the market? Generally speaking, if a home is priced well, you're starting to see it sell within the first two or three weeks. That's different from what we saw last year when homes were on the market for 40 days, 50 days, 60 days. The the big thing, the big news in the market right now is the return of the detached home. And the detached home was what caused our average price to look like it was dropping significantly last year. So that, you know, the drop in detached sales combined with the increase in condos, it appeared that our average price was dropping and that had some, it created some false hope for buyers that were in the market to say, hey, price is dropping. Price never dropped. If you look at individual detached homes versus detached homes or townhouses versus townhouses, condos versus condos, they were all up. And now with the detached home taking off last month, it was the first month in a long time that we sold more detached homes than uh, last year. 
it, it, it's just been phenomenal. So price, you're going to start to hear more about price increasing. You're going to start to hear more about sales increasing. And that's just what's happening in the market now. There was so much pent up demand. Those people are out there buying. And you also talked about bidding wars. What's been happening in your office? Have you seen those bidding wars? And what do you do? How do you navigate that for a buyer or a seller? We have been, there's, there's bidding wars, there's multiple offers, there's offer dates, there's things selling in one day and having, you know, seven, eight, nine showings within a few hours. It's been incredibly heated, the market right now. And this is no different. If, if we take last year as an anomaly and you look back at 2017 and 2016, this is where we're at again. And people were thinking with the different rule changes that came into effect, this is going to slow things down. It's going to bring price down. It really didn't. The only thing that can do that is an increase in supply. And we haven't seen that. And so what do you think accounts for the decrease in supply? You said inventory is low. Why do you think that is? Inventory is low because we don't have as many new starts, the housing starts that we're expecting or we need for our city. We don't have that. And once the builders are able to start building again, there's so much red tape involved. It used to take builders maybe a month or two to get approvals. It's over a year now. Sometimes it's two years or three years. We really need to figure out how to get these guys building because there's so many people coming in every year, so many people ready to move into a home that have been renting and saving money. We don't have enough inventory to satisfy that. And that's, that's what results in multiple offers. That's how you get these bidding wars because there's so many people ready to buy. The pent up demand last year, everyone was in a holding pattern because they wanted to wait and see what happens. There was so much negativity about the real estate market. And now people have looked at it. And even with the stress test, the mortgage stress test that made you qualify two points higher than you needed to, that's the new normal. So now people are used to it and they know what they can afford. It's just become the new normal and, and the way of doing business in real estate. Now, you talked about uh, red tape for builders and developers, you know, and so they're not building as many houses. But what about vertical real estate? Because that seems to be on the rise. There's lots of cranes in the air. It really is. And, and developers are taking advantage of maximizing the return on their investment. So they're saying, fine, maybe I won't build 75 townhouses here. Maybe I'll build a condo building and put in 225 units. So the builders are getting smarter and, and people are going to that as well. You know, I was talking to a counselor the other day and asking him, you know, what's going to happen with McCowan Road or Kennedy Road and are you guys going to expand it? And he said, the thing is, when you expand roads, the people's mindset is, great, now there's more room, now I can drive. So their mandate is not necessary to expand roads because you'll fill it, but it's almost to keep the roads the way they are and force people to take public transit. When the road system fails, that's when they uh, turn to public transit. So by increasing the, the width of the roads or number of lanes, it doesn't really do anything to solve traffic congestion. Sometimes it increases it. All right, when we come back, a unique approach to creating affordable housing. That conversation is coming up. Stay with us. You're listening to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. 
You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On The Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Thank you, Tina. Joining us next on the show is the minister from the Unionville Presbyterian Community Church, Marty Mollengraff. Marty, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's nice to be on the show with you. Marty, we were speaking off-air about a great affordable housing symposium that you've put together with your group, and that's going to be coming up this Thursday. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, the Seniors Housing Symposium is really trying to uh, ask the question whether or not um, faith lands, that's uh, different lands that are, are owned by different religious groups, churches, gurdwaras, mosques, temples, uh, uh, and so on, could be used for affordable housing for seniors. So this symposium is exploring that option and exploring what might be the next steps if a, uh, an organization or a faith group wanted to, to explore it. And, and this is great because, I mean, the, the big question over the last few years has been, how do we get affordable housing back into our region, into our communities? And this project seems to be, you know, thinking in the same wavelength and trying to come up with, uh, you know, alternative plans to build this affordable housing. Exactly. The the big issue in terms of affordable housing, no matter who you talk to, the answer always seems to be the same, and that's the accessibility of land. Uh, land is so expensive anywhere, uh, they tell me, anywhere between a million dollars an acre to five million dollars an acre. And so when you start with that kind of upfront cost, it makes it very, very difficult to create anything that is affordable, uh, because not only uh, the land cost, but then the construction costs as well. So if land is so expensive, how would a faith group be able to afford something like this? Many faith groups uh, often have land that they've had for years already. Uh, It's interesting, uh, a number of years ago, uh, I saw an article about the McDonald's franchise, and, and and the question was, you know, how do McDonald's make money? And it's true that the franchisees make money through the selling of, of, of food, but the actual corporation itself makes money uh, through real estate, and, and it's because they have so many prime properties in a lot of different areas. Well, churches and gurdwaras are the same. Um, we have property in very prime locations in many cities and towns across uh, Canada, and so the availability of that land um, becomes a, a real possibility for seniors' house because it's already land that has been bought and paid for uh, in yesterday's dollars, not today's dollars. And not only is your project addressing the affordability factor, but you've also tried to address inclusive and intentional communities. Can you just expand on a little bit on what you mean by inclusive and intentional? Well, that's what we're really excited about. So uh, you're right. Um, not only will these be senior uh, affordable housing, but intentional community is really from the very beginning talking about the creation of a community as soon as you move into uh, this one, one of these uh, affordable housing units. So, so we're looking for people, if we're able to, to actually do this, we'd be looking for people who are looking to combat uh, the loneliness and isolation that many seniors face uh, by involving them in, um, in an active community uh, connections uh, that, that they could uh, 
uh, get to know their neighbors, uh, get to know the larger community, a variety of different programming that would be available uh, to meet <clears throat> their various and, and sundry needs, all the way from uh, physical needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs, if they have them, in, in, a, in a sense of, of trying to create that strong sense of, of knowing each other, living with each other, supporting each other, encouraging each other. So that's, that's what we mean by intentional community. Um, it's also inclusive in the sense that it would be a community not just for seniors, uh, but the possibility of uh, saying 10 of the units also being for uh, adults with um, developmental disabilities and, and, uh, and perhaps uh, a couple of units for 360 kids uh, here in, in York Region uh, and maybe a couple more units for, uh, for university students uh, who would have a rent decrease and in exchange for that community hours uh, that they would uh, offer to, to build that sense of community. So it's a, it's a very comprehensive uh, approach, a very, very powerful kind of, of way of looking at housing, uh, the intentional, inclusive community being core to that. Now, Marty, depending upon who or what faith group owns the land, would the faith group then be the landlord as well once the property or the residence is built? Again, our, our research uh, shows that uh, it could be a variety of different things, all the way from the faith group simply saying our contribution is simply the land and we would do it in a land lease kind of format. Or other faith communities are saying we have excess land and so we can sell that land hopefully at less than market prices to, uh, to a developer who may do that. Or a faith community may say, no, we want a stronger role with respect to that. And, um, and a faith community may even say, we want to be the managers of the, of the entire structure. So, so lots of different opportunities based on uh, the abilities, the needs, um, uh, the potential that the faith group might have itself. Now, if there's currently land available for purchase and it's zoned for a place of worship, would this be a way that you could actually cultivate this land or develop this land into one of these residences, or, or do you require that a place of worship is already on the premises too? No, we're not. We're not requiring. We're just. We're just simply suggesting that this may be a way to go because of the scarcity of land at at reasonable prices. But every church or faith group would would have to determine themselves whether this is appropriate or even possible for their own site. And then it would need the blessing of local council and, and region as well. Um, in early conversations with council and with uh, region, with York Region, um, they would be very open to that kind of application, but they're always concerned about the neighbors and what the neighbors would say as well. So one of the reasons that we want to have this kind of public discussion is so that um, we're, we're including the voice of neighbors from the very beginning. So we haven't made any decisions to go ahead. This is a, a, um, a kind of a a way of, of looking at the possibilities, um, but a way of also saying to our neighbors, you know, we, we see something that could be of, of real value to the community, and, um, and what do you think? And is that what next week's symposium is all about, is asking the community and other stakeholders what they think? That is, that is partly what it's about. The other part is, is really asking faith communities themselves what they think of the idea and, and trying to create 
opportunities for dialogue within faith communities. So we will have uh, people who have the information that we need um, if, if, if faith communities wanted to look at the possibility, we, we will have people who have the information uh, necessary to, to begin that process of, of discovery. This is great information, and I'm really looking forward to Thursday's symposium. Uh, Marty, if our listeners want to contact you, where can they do that? Uh, simply call the, the church. It's 905-475-6233. Now we have we have someone here about twenty hours a week. Um, so if you if you um, get the answer machine, we will call you back. But that's the easiest way to contact us. And Marty, if you can just tell us one more time, the symposium is scheduled for Thursday, May twenty third. Uh, the time and where it's located. It's seven o'clock to nine o'clock, and it's located at six hundred Village Parkway, uh, which is uh, just east of Warden and just south of Sixteenth. And um, and we should have things wrapped up by nine o'clock. We're trying to make sure that uh, that we're uh, we're um, respective of people's time. Marty, we're looking forward to seeing you Thursday. Thank you so much for being on our show. You're quite welcome, and it's uh, wonderful to chat with both of you. When we come back, we get to your real estate questions and this week's hot listing. And just a reminder, if you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com. You're listening to 1059 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Time now for our listener questions. We begin with a question from Ken in Richmond Hill, and he wants to know, Asif, how long can the seller take to respond to an offer? Great question, Ken, and how there's, this is a multifaceted question, because sometimes you have laid out in the listing when the seller wants to accept offers or review offers. There's other times when you put into a listing that uh, you want to uh, accept offers at any time, but there's also something called an irrevocable that you put into an offer, and the seller has to respond to you before your irrevocable time expires. So if you're a buyer and you have said, I would like an answer before 9 p.m., then the seller has to respond to you before 9 p.m. Unless, of course, the seller has given specific instructions that they will not be looking at offers until a certain date or time. And so when they're looking at um, multiple offers, right, they've kind of waited it out and they said, okay, we're going to take all the offers at this time. How then do they determine when they're going to get back to the folks that they want to connect with or deal with? In a multiple offer situation, usually what happens, and, and agents will handle it differently, but the proper way to do it is to get everyone to the same place. So it's either at the premises that's being sold or it's at the agent's office. You get everyone in there and you tell them, look, uh, let's meet at 730. We want to have an answer by 10 p.m. 
and you try to weed out certain offers that aren't going to make the cut right away. So if you have five offers and you know two are not going to make it, you say, thank you very much. We're going to deal with these three and you work with those three and you just keep on going until you have an acceptable offer to the seller. And the acceptable offer is often the one that has financing secured, maybe minimal conditions or very clear conditions. In a multiple offer, what the seller and the agent will look for, the listing agent will look for, is an offer that is firm. So you do not want to lose that opportunity of of making that sale that night by accepting a conditional offer, because if you accept a conditional offer, there are chances that that deal could fall apart, and you've also lost the other three or four or ten people that were there. So we want to make sure that we are able to secure an offer that evening. If you can go and get a bank draft in advance, that's even better because that will help your offer. Often people think a bidding war is all about price. It really isn't. It it has to be including terms that are acceptable to the seller. So it could be closing date, conditions, pricing. So there's a lot that goes into accepting an offer and it you don't really take the best possible price. You take the the most acceptable offer in terms. Okay, interesting. Our next question comes from Jordan in Markham. He is planning to sell his family home, but instead of buying and perhaps spending more money on a home in Markham, he wants to know where does he need to move to? How far out will he be in order to save some of what he hopes to make on the sale of his current residence? Another great question. Thanks, Jordan. The the property values have gone up so much in our region itself that a lot of people are thinking just like Jordan is. And you're taking your money, you're you're pretty much cashing out of your investment that uh, has been a family home for years. And you want to be able to bank some of this money and either move north in the region or you're even looking to move east into Durham region, which is happening a lot in the Port Perry area, Uxbridge, because you're able to get properties in Durham region for a lot cheaper than what people are selling in York region. So it really depends how much you want to bank. You can still stay within the region, and it depends on what we're selling your parents' property for or, or what, you're, uh, what you're expecting to put into the bank. And once we figure out those numbers, then we can kind of guide you into which areas would be available for you to be able to make that transition. And then we can narrow it down from there. But if Jordan is moving out of Markham or somewhere in York region, and, you know, as you suggest, maybe going north or east to Durham, what are you sacrificing by making that kind of move? Are you going to have the amenities that you have here within a city in York region? Markham is very unique in that we have a lot of amenities. We have basically we have everything within Markham that you would uh, you would expect in a big city. If you're going out to rural areas, especially in the region, you're not going to have that. You're going to have a slightly longer commute. You're going to have you know problems with transit being readily available. And same with Durham. I mean, Durham, you're going to have higher taxes. So Markham has some of the the most acceptable tax rates, not only in York region, but probably in Canada. And you want to be able to make sure that you're moving for the right reasons. And if that's to bank some money, you don't want it eaten up in property taxes over the next five years or 10 years. So there's a lot that goes into this decision and uh, a conversation to start this off would be great. And Asif, if our listeners want to start that conversation with you, how do they connect with you directly? 
they can go to chat.onthemarketradio.com and send me a message or give me a call at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. And just before we go, this week's hot listing, joining us next in studio is Heather Cooper from REMAX Prime Properties. Heather, over to you. Thanks, Tina. This week's hot listing is an amazing custom-built executive home sitting on over an acre in Stouffville's exclusive Sleepy Hollow Estates. This home is over 5,000 square feet, including a finished basement, and it also has an additional 1,000 square foot private guest suite. It's got a beautiful uh, master bedroom with a full ensuite as well as a powder room. This house has six bedrooms, all with ensuite baths, plus the additional two powder rooms for a total of eight bathrooms. Okay, this sounds like a, a real housewives of somewhere kind of home. <laughs> um, so, Asif, where in Stouffville is this property? This is in the heart of Stouffville. It's Sleepy Hollow, which is a very, very desirable neighborhood in Stouffville itself, and, and more so in York Region. There's a lot of people that look to Sleepy Hollow for an executive home, and this home has it all. It's been totally renovated. It just went on the market. Even at $1.65 million, you're probably thinking that's a bit high, but for what you get in this home, this is great value. Well, you said six bedrooms, Heather, and eight bathrooms. Let's review once again for our listeners the highlights of this home and where they can get more information. The address on this one is 45 Rayview Drive in Stouffville. And for more information, they can contact Mohammed Rahman at 905-554-5522. Thanks, Heather. Thank you, Tina. Asif, that's our show for this week. Thank you, Tina, and to everyone that tuned in. Remember, if you need to connect with Asif Khan, or if you missed any part of On the Market, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.